Welcome to this episode of Threading Thoughts, where we will be talking about rural healthcare and its challenges. Rural residents often encounter barriers to healthcare that limit their ability to obtain the care they actually need. In order for rural residents to have sufficient access and necessary and appropriate healthcare services, it must be available and obtainable in a very timely manner. Even when an adequate supply of healthcare services exists within the community, there are many other factors to consider in terms of healthcare access. Some of them being the financial means to pay for these services, the means to reach and use these services, confidence in their ability to communicate, and the fact that they will receive the quality care from the medical professionals. The challenges are not only on the patient side, but also on the provider side, with a constant training of doctors and nurses required. Technology has come to the aid of these rural healthcare centers, but there is still a long way to go. Pawan Kaipa is presently the UP State Manager at Gramin Healthcare, a rural-based health tech startup. He has previously worked in the not-profit and corporate healthcare settings, apart from dabbling in sectors as political consultancy, education, rural development, and the like at the grassroots levels. So thank you, Pavan. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today. It's really nice to have you. I know you're incredibly busy, especially in this uh, you know, very challenging times for providing uh, rural healthcare. And of course, it's very many challenges have been magnified now. So thank you so much for taking time off. Thank you, Mizla. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let me start off with, you know, uh, let us try and understand a little more, maybe from your perspective. So what have some been some of the biggest challenges that you've noticed in rural healthcare, uh, not only from a citizen perspective, uh, so also as a service provider, so from both. Challenges are multifold, definitely, from the rural point of view. And uh, especially from uh, from my perspective, coming from a very uh, urbanish background, urbanish outlook, to working in a rural setup, uh, initially for the Gujarat and now in UP. So uh, basically, uh, coming from an urban outlook, an urban background, to work in a rural setting, initially it was in Gujarat and now in UP. I think their challenges are multifold. Uh, firstly, say from citizens' point of view, now uh, public healthcare as such is not viewed with as much as trust or as much as confidence as public what we like. And private healthcare, uh, private healthcare providers are few, uh, very few and far in between. And more often than not, you, you notice your RMTs or your Jula charts are your call. So they are prevalent in, in every village. And uh, when you go from a private provider point of view, you want to explore the market, you want to reach out to the public, and you are uh, in particular new to the whole ecosystem. But those RMPs who uh, a lot of times we look down at with the same thing that you know, they right. might not be licensed, they might not be providing your authentic conditions. But as a matter of fact, they have been sitting in that particular region or village for 10, 15, 20 years, so on and so forth. And they have gained the trust of the local public, uh, right? So uh, we are a general from a provider's point of view. We cannot rush them aside, saying that you know these people are not genuine and not be considered. They okay. There may be the methods are not as scientific as what the rest of the medical community uh, utilizes, 
right. but they are they are people who who are very integral to the ecosystem right now and very integral to how uh, your general villager would react to or would obtain any healthcare service from a citizens point of view uh, challenges obviously one is accessibility now your nearest uh, most of your villages your nearest uh, sub center or your phc would be at a minimum 10 kilometers away and this is just at the minimum uh, for him to access uh, quality healthcare either he would have to go to your phc or phc or your know, district hospital which i for a lot of time is not possible uh, in every case so accessibility and uh, obtaining quality healthcare is always a question uh, and these challenges have been exaggerated over the past one and a half years especially because of the pandemic and, and uh, during the first wave obviously uh, it, it didn't hit the rural area as much as uh, it hit the cities So it was yeah. viewed as more as a you know shahar ka road. It is something which is the cities. Unfortunately, the second wave hit the villages, hit the rural side a lot more than uh, probably what we would expect. So uh, the seriousness, the general, you know, uh, the lack of apathy, the general lack of uh, quality in public health services. Unfortunately, uh, hit an all-time high during the pandemic, during the second wave. so uh, these issues were faced by citizens and from obviously from a provider's point of view uh, you know it exposed a lot of these shortcomings uh, due to private healthcare due to public healthcare exposed a lot of these shortcomings due to the second wave so uh, challenging times definitely a lot of uh, uh, challenges for the problems for the but i think the pertinent question is can we use this as an uh, opportunity i wouldn't say as an opportunity can we use this As, as a, a learning, to, mm-hmm. as a learning or a motivator to to fix the deficiencies that exist within the uh, most of the public health. True, uh, that's absolutely true, right? Uh, we were so uh, happy that you know uh, this, especially COVID, was contained in a particular region. The rural uh, regions were hardly uh, you know were left untouched, rather. But the second wave completely topsy turvy, and I think that was such a shock. Um, and a very good uh, unfortunate uh, learning but a very good learning nonetheless so i think that would be a difference and as you correctly said there's this balance between uh, you know respecting uh, traditions healthcare traditions in rural india while bringing in new innovations or changes or perhaps prescribed medications or different kind of a, a stream of medication in healthcare so that must, that must have been quite a challenge though initially but it's more acceptable now is that uh, how you feel what's the between you know the rural healthcare uh, you know the people uh, living in rural villages and now they're more accepting of uh, different forms of healthcare right and uh, maybe uh, different types of medications is it something that's still pushed back or are they completely willing to take in medical literature so, accepted it it definitely is still a challenge still a major challenge in accepting uh, your uh, you know your allopathic or your previous doctors and accepting that line of treatment compared to what your rnp or tulachakur have done in your case so uh, these are challenges which still exist and which will continue for definitely some more time this is not something which is going to go away very easily and uh, right, it, so it takes a time of mind it, it requires a lot of uh, 
change also a lot of acceptance from the public. So this is something which is not going to go away. It's something that we have to work around. It's not something we can do away with. It's something we have to work around to find out a better, a better way of, uh, of provision of this Absolutely, absolutely. And also the fact that, you know, they have to be very careful on mixing, say, uh, they might have medicinal herbs and other things. To mix those with allopathic medications, the, the side effects could be quite severe. So these are all, you know, terms and conditions that you have to work out when you work in a rural healthcare setting, right? Uh, so that I'm sure is something that you've also kept in mind. But, uh, you know, talking about COVID particularly, this has been very difficult. A year and a half or more. So, what were your, uh, you know, the biggest challenges of mass vaccination? Because we also had a lot of people from urban setting go into rural areas, thinking that it was much safer or you know much easier to deal with. So, what were some of the biggest challenges you had in mass vaccinating, uh, especially in rural India? So, in mass vaccination, I think there are a lot of important uh, points that probably uh, so since that it is an ongoing exercise by the government. I think initially, uh, especially if you look at the the entry point was very tall initially in terms of uh, you had a compulsory registration that had to be done at the uh, which to a large extent has been removed right now. But initially, that was a major, uh, uh, very tall entry point which you had and which kind of restricted a lot of your rural flow scope to register and willingly get the vaccination done. Uh, that is slowly being taken care of. Uh, apart from that, uh, I suppose there are a lot of, we all know there are a lot of myths, there are a lot of uh, stories which keep floating around about certain incidents have happened, there is no denying about that. But those sometimes they get, uh, they get exaggerated a lot more when they go into the villages and people tend to avoid that for a lot of reasons. Uh, I think generally in terms of awareness and uh, you know, general sensitization, we need to do a lot more. Presently, uh, what I see is that uh, we are restricted to our uh, the general awareness techniques that are being followed in terms of you know, putting a banner, doing an announcement in your village, telling people that you know this this lot and this lot is aware. But is it there is no uh, enforcement of it right. uh, in in a soft manner from the uh, from the uh, which is required. Now, uh, if we leave it to our public on our own that you have a choice to get vaccinated or not, then there are a lot of a lot of our population will get that Correct. I think the public healthcare system uh, has to become a lot more proactive. Uh, I just give you an, an example of my own vaccination. Now, when I registered on the COVID app, uh, I, I took in the morning slot, the 10 to 11 a.m. slot. And uh, I went to the center, and there was a lot of crowd. There were 100 or 50 people just assembled there with no social distancing, very little of you know protocols being followed. So that whole process to one half two hours just to ensure you stand the line and get your vaccination done. So for my wife, now uh, later on in the week when I wanted to get her vaccination done, I chose the last one, which was uh, I think between one to four, uh, thinking that it will be less crowd. So we went to the center, there was no crowd at all. So, uh, and you need 10 people for them to administer a virus. Correct. Now, in that particular slot, only six people turned up. Uh -oh. So uh, we were refused and we were asked to come back the next day saying, no, we cannot open the file now. It will go on wastage. So you have to come back the next day. 
So what is surprising in, in this whole exercise, what I realized is uh, when these corporate officials were saying that okay, some so and so people have registered, but they're not turned up. Why you just call them up and ask them to come? So the people sitting at the center won't have a database of the ones who are registered on the COVID app. So probably the people who are registered on COVID goes to a central database, but it is not provided to your people sitting at those respective centers. Absolutely. So they would. It is natural for uh, for it to be a 10 15 percent drop off. On, on, on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, if that follow-up does not happen from your public health uh, official or your worker vaccination worker sitting at that particular center, then you would probably these people would keep getting left out, and they would not take an initiative to okay take the whole trouble of registering themselves and coming to the center ensuring the vaccination gets done. So, if these such instances, probably you know, we are able to find out where are the loopholes exist in the system and. What more can uh, the public health system do? How can we become more proactive to ensure people actually get the vaccination done? Leaving it to their uh, will and fancy probably will not work in a country as complex as India, right? So Thanks. a certain amount of proactivity, certain amount of following up is required from the uh, from the government side to ensure that everyone gets the vaccination. So I think uh, challenges exist a lot and rural areas, especially uh, what we see in an urban center is a lot more magnified when it comes to rural Also because of availability, because of the, you know, the general distance required to travel and so on and so forth. You know, uh, and very well articulated. The reason I'm saying is what happens is there has to be, of course, people from the villages themselves, uh, stakeholders in the village who gently push perhaps everyone to get vaccines, they themselves have to believe in this cause. But, uh, you know, that's a ground up. But I also think a top-down approach of a better connectivity, uh, you know, some sort of a, a better network um, and uh, people following up and making sure it's a little more efficient system. As you correctly mentioned, if you don't have the number of people who have registered with their names and contact information, you will not be able to contact them even if, you know, you need to contact them in an emergency. So. Uh, it doesn't make much sense if you're trying to get people into a center and not have the wherewithal to actually reach out to them. So I think those are, the, you know, as you said, when you experience it, you start realizing these loopholes that seem to get a little bigger. Uh, and then these things slip through the cracks. And then you see the, the issue is if I don't get my vaccine today, tomorrow I might not be inclined to take that day off or spend that time. So then I might push it to another day and then the other day might never come. As we know, you know, that that's one of the biggest issues when you uh, push something later on, you never know whether that day is going to work for you or not. Or you might have other... The, the particular point you mentioned, especially for a, for a villager who has to take a day off, who cannot attend his field, or cannot do his uh, daily wage work, he has to take a day off to get his vaccination, and he knows that there are symptoms for a day or so, he might get some So for him to take that day off again, and, uh, you know, just to convince himself that I have to go and get the vaccination done is a long drawn process again. So, uh, and it's a loss of their livelihood, which is what would worry them more uh, because they depend on it day to day. So it's not that simple for them as well. And so um, talking about the way we can improve perhaps, do you think behavioral changes and even technology for that matter, can they help in ensuring a bigger reach of, you know, general healthcare, not only just for COVID, but for general healthcare, do you think it can help? 
definitely definitely uh, technology uh, the first thing when we talk about healthcare technology right now in these days is is telemedicine right so telemedicine has obviously taken a front seat over the past one year you know lot a lot lot more focus has been brought up to how more can we improve on but uh, telemedicine has taken a start but obviously a lot more has to be done to ensure it gets further integrated into our system and uh, what is important is that telemedicine has to be integrated with our existing system you know for greater cost efficiency for better health outcomes the existing sub centers pc cc how can they further utilize this correct uh or telemedicine to get accepted by by a layman Across the city, across the city, uh, a lot of variable change is required because for any village or for anyone, in fact, if you if you have the option of uh, consulting a doctor via phone call or via video call versus physically visiting him and be examining him, right. taking a bite and so on and so forth, but natural that everyone would want to physically. Right, so the behavioral change of ensuring that even if a doctor is not available, you are able to consult a doctor via a conference, via a telephone call, and ensure that your treatment is complete would require a lot of effort and and time, and that is not something which uh, probably you can expect that by the time the pandemic so on so forth settles, that the whole thing will. Will take root. I think it will take a lot of sustained effort from all the stakeholders involved, and uh, I think I think time will decide that how further this gets integrated into our existing system. But telemedicine is such a such a probably useful tool because right now you see most of our uh, a lot of centers, a lot of public health centers uh, are not probably functioning as much as how they should be. Probably because of the availability or staff shortage or so forth. Now, with telemedicine, if assisted telemedicine is used, even if people are not completely comfortable with telemedicine, assisted telemedicine, with the vitals at least checked, conveyed to the doctor, doctor is able to prescribe the right course of treatment. Uh, a lot of our uh, big gaps in the system can be addressed. Absolutely, I, I I honestly believe that for most people when they walk, especially when they're sick or they're unhealthy, they walk into any health center. It's reassuring to see a person there, uh, no matter if they are a qualified doctor. It's more a question of you know somebody a human who can interact with you, perhaps understand what you're going through or be sympathetic. I think that is also part of the healthcare system that we require. Of course, the expertise can always be delivered, and given that. AI now is uh, a lot more, um, I think, uh, you know, present in in healthcare itself. There are a lot of things that can move faster or be more efficient because any doctor is also they have very limited time. So when you reach out to a doctor through telemedicine, he might have his own clinic or he might be in a completely urban center, which might be an issue. So AI and technologies help. What about behavioral changes for the the you know not only the staff but also the people coming do you think that they would be actually comfortable uh, not just getting the vital statistics but more than that looking and talking to a doctor over a, a laptop or a screen it does that require a lot of behavioral change in in rural india definitely a lot a lot more than what it would require in the city 
the city folk obviously uh, is at least exposed to technology, exposed to all the different changes a lot more compared to a person in the village. So uh, the moment you tell him that me, आज से डॉक्टर नहीं है आपको सिर्फ डॉक्टर को लैपटॉप से देखना पड़ेगा तो there will obviously be a sort of resistance initially, which I have also personally experienced. Right? And people are not convinced in, in terms of you talking to a doctor over a phone or seeing over a screen. It's still not very reassuring to him. He would prefer seeing his local uh, RNP paying the twenty rupees and that fellow comforting him, saying that you are fine, right? And getting those uh, medicines for two three three days. He would prefer doing that rather than probably seeing a person seeing a doctor on the screen. And obviously, doubt scream to mind is this genuine, is this not genuine? Which is which is natural, especially when it's in the starting phase. So a lot more effort is required uh, to ensure that television as a whole uh, gets accepted. Or slowly, uh, it's on the path towards acceptance, especially in the rural side. As we, yeah, as we, as we generally see, uh, technology, uh, television, AI generally tends to get Uh, reflected in your private organization first, and uh, it gets accepted, it gets streamlined, it gets uh, you know completely integrated in the system. But for public health system to uh, efficiently integrate itself, that would take a lot more effort as well as from from all stakeholders. Absolutely, and I think uh, having somebody in a rural healthcare center uh, sort of sit next to them and walk them through when they're talking to a doctor might reassure them more. uh you know because they feel that there's a physical person next to them they might not understand certain things the doctors ask or they just feel that you know even though it's a video call you're still awake right it's very virtual so it, it must be quite uh, difficult for that probably assisted telemedicine uh, which uh, say a person a villager walks into this uh, sub center uh, he has a nurse who just takes his vitals takes his temperature should or takes any other the point of care test required and connects uh, him or her to the doctor and whatever required intervenes to explain it further to further break it down for the person could could help the system much much more absolutely but i come to a very very uh, i think critical issue that you might face uh, or at least that's what we heard the churn and the training of personnel uh, especially in rural centers i mean how many nurses and doctors who are not perhaps from that village or from the area are willing to go and work in these telehealth centers uh, how do you retain them because once they are trained or they have this uh, a period of you know comfort level they will they can move to a larger urban setting and perhaps earn more so that is something that is a huge challenge always but uh, there are two perspectives of course one is a general challenge the second is covid how has that particularly Helped or affected this in a positive, negative way. So uh, the point you mentioned, hiring and training of doctors, uh, doctors, is definitely the biggest challenge uh, the rural healthcare system is going to face. There's no doubt about it. And uh, hiring is one part of it uh, to ensure that. Training and then continuous training happens. That is a separate challenge also. So hiring doctors, first aid doctors, uh, as such, to to convince them to come and work in a rural setting, especially if they are not from that particular region or district, uh, 
is the most next to impossible in these times. Any doctor after graduating with your GPS doctor, EMS, Ayurvedic doctor, masters, for them to come and work in a rural setting is the least on their priority. Right. Uh, right. So, uh, one in terms of uh, probably the exposure they get, the second is uh, the type of renovation and so on. So, it requires us a special kind of motivation for a doctor to come and sit in that particular region and say that I am going to the service here, which, as but naturally, we cannot expect everyone to, to have that uh, intention. So, uh, I think what is important is obtaining doctors, paramedical staff from the particular region. If you are able to, if you are visiting a subcenter of PHC or PHC in those particular regions, you need to hire from the particular district. Uh, if you don't, then it's uh, next to impossible to get someone to be able to sit in that particular region. And uh, continuous training, how do you incentivize? Now, I think what, what the major difference between our private system and the public system is one in terms of the incentives, right? How do we further incentivize your doctors exactly. exactly to work in a rural setting to continue working in a rural setting? So that is something which has to be probably a thought of a lot more. And uh, some sort of better system has to be devised to ensure that we are uh, they continue working. Because it's not uh, simple, you know, trying to incentivize them to stay because the entire uh, priorities and setup has to be changed for a lot of people. Um, although I think uh, in a very strange way, COVID has actually helped that because most of them have rediscovered their roots or, you know, found uh, more rural areas which are quieter, better to work with. And suddenly they feel this work from home as well, you know, enables this sort of a setup. So. You know, do you see this, uh, these major changes happening, given that, you know, educated tech-savvy youth um, from urban centers are moving towards rural areas, or do you think this is just a fad that this, this will leave? Uh, from a healthcare point of view, from a healthcare person point of view, I don't see too much of a change. From what I have noticed, I may be uh, wrong. But... Uh, I think what is what is something that we have to consider is one is ensuring that it exists in staff. We need to motivate a lot more people to join the, uh, the rural public and get infrastructure. And also involve the existing stakeholders, your teams, your existing players in sitting in the village. How can they be further involved? Because right now they are being viewed in a very negative lens or a very right. uh, a lot of distinct. Saying that they are uh, not scientific enough, let us ask more. But how can, at the end of the day, they are also providing benefit. They are also serving your public, your villager who requires the treatment uh, from the village. So, how can they be involved, not be directly as a doctor per se, but in some sort of setting, how can they be involved to ensure that your first point of contact? Okay. I think what COVID has also taught us is that uh, the first point of contact, like we would have expected your primary healthcare systems in the country to be the first point of contact to assess whether a person has a fever or not. If he has a fever, then are there any other symptoms of COVID? Can the treatment be taken further on? But a lot of probably what our public we have learned to become accustomed to is to reach a tertiary center time. You have a fever, you have a cough, go to your district hospital, go to your multi-specialty hospital. 
which probably is not the best way to function in a healthcare system. If we have a primary healthcare system, Correct. how can we further leverage that system to ensure uh, it functions properly and the deserving person gets the treatment at the time? And the so, same quality of service, right? The same quality of service is uh, taken uh, right down to the the smallest uh, hospice, perhaps. So, uh, hiring and training of existing uh, staff and to ensure more people join the system, work for the rural, uh, the rural folk, get incentivized better. Uh, they, they need to get that motivation to work in the rural which everyone. Uh,